The second annual Female Filmmakers Festival Berlin identified a variety of international films, shorts, and music videos of all genres to bring to the big screen in 2020. 66 films and music videos from 25 different countries. Wow, what a feat. Awarding 15 different categories. The festival added a green award this year and it has shattered all diversity and inclusion milestones, setting a standard both in Europe and across the globe as to how all organizations should celebrate the talents of women and the underrepresented in both film and music media industries. During our podcast series, we asked a few of our distinguished filmmakers what sparks their creativity and how they think women can shape and mold the future of cinema. We had an opportunity to catch up with SB, the director of Fall Back Down, Julia Fica, the director of Eva, Jack Cron, the director of House It, Mary Stephen, the director of The Memory of Water, and Bertie O'Connor, the director of Going Steady, as well as a few other directors whose films grace the big screen of this year's fest. My name is Jewel Sparks, and I am your host of this year's Female Filmmakers Festival Women in Film podcast. Thanks for tuning in. are here with Story from the uh, music video up. We are very um, happy to be screening her um, her masterpiece, I would like to say, actually, at this year's uh, Female Filmmakers Festival in Berlin. And um, it's nice to see the sunshine in the background there, Story. Where are you exactly right now? I'm currently in Quebec in Canada. Wow. Yeah. How long have you been there? Um, I've only been here like a few days, actually. I live in Toronto, but I came mm -hmm. to visit my best friend, Tom, who is also like my co-writer and co-producer and stuff on a lot of my music. Um, so, yeah, because I'm I'm moving to the UK. So I wanted to, you know, see him before I leave. Oh, that's nice. So when are you actually leaving for the UK? Um, in a couple of weeks, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Man, so that means you're going to leave in a couple of weeks, but you're not going to be able to come through Berlin. I know. I know. I want to so bad. I've never been to Berlin and I've heard so many beautiful things about it and like the artistry out there. Like I just heard it's an amazing city. Everyone keeps telling me I'm going to love it. Like every person I've ever spoken to is like, you need to go to Berlin. You know, just like I'm sure the, the audience is going to love your music video up. So like, although you physically can't be here, your art is going to be a part of the film festival. And we're really happy to um, have that happen uh, this year. Thank Tell you for having me. Yeah, you are welcome. Mm -hmm. So you'll be virtually there or visually there or whatever you want to call it. You know, in today's time, we can be so many places in a, in a different way. We just shifted our mindset a bit. But tell us a little bit about Up and what was your creative inspiration behind Up? So... I had gone to LA for four months and I was trying to network for my music. Like I was working on a few deals here and there. And um, I was driving back from LA cause I drove there 
from Toronto, very long drive. How, how many hours is that exactly? So I didn't drive straight. I actually drove like through 10 cities across the States wow. um, on my way there and on my way back. Um, and I did like open mics across the country. Oh, wow. Super cool. Super cool. Yeah, it was really, really cool. So I did kind of like an L, like a J. So I stopped in Chicago, um, Nashville, Atlanta, New Orleans, Austin, El Paso, Phoenix, Grand Canyon, uh, Vegas, and then LA. So So how long did it take you to plan this trip? I don't plan. I'm not a planner. So I just, you didn't like, plan. So, no. I mean, but when you, you said you did open mics in this J-shaped, uh, like, formation as you were going across the country. But, like, so what did you do? Like, when you were in one city, like, you, like, tried to arrange your open mic, like, four weeks before? I mean, like, how did no, that I would just, like, kind of drive and then um, I would have, like, I would search while we were driving Um And I actually drove with a complete stranger. Like I had just met this person like a week before I had put up online. I was like, I'm looking for a videographer that can, that can, um, you know, uh, (laughs) you know, like document, that's the word, (laughs) document uh, the trip. And I, I was like, I can't pay you, but I can, you know, pay for your trip, you know, like basically. So Uh, I found this guy and I met him like a week or five days before we left. And he just like, he had the right energy. And so we went across the country together and it was really amazing. So I was trying to like, um, you know, network in, in LA and um, really just like plant seeds for story and the brand story and, um, you know, build a team for my, for my artistry. And um, I met a lot of people and I met some of my idols and I was quite disappointed in meeting some of them and stuff. But anyways, um, I left there and I was in shock at how the world was so obsessed with more and new and how flaky so many people were, like the lack of integrity. And um, that really brought me to like wanting to create um this this video so i had already written the song up and um i couldn't afford so i i didn't end up getting the team that i was looking for um and so i was pretty disappointed but i just had it in my mind i was like you know what um i'm tired of putting my life in other people's hands and waiting for them to help me Um, I'm tired of men sexualizing me in the music industry and I'm tired of waiting on these grants that never seem to want to give me money. So, um, so yeah, so I was like, okay, I can't find directors. I can't find money. So what am I going to do? I'm going to make my own music videos and, um, up wasn't the first one I made. I actually made a lost find as well. Um, but that one was not a clay animation and didn't take me four months. It was more just like free flowing. So that was my first time directing a video and editing it. And then I was like, okay, so I built up a bit of confidence in me. And then I thought of this animation, this clay animation, and I've always loved clay animation. So I just figured you can Google anything, right? So I'm like, I can figure this out. 
You know, like I'm a smart kid. I can figure it out. So I got home. I called two of my friends, uh, one of which has never done any art whatsoever. He's a manager at a um, restaurant. And then I have another friend of mine who she's into art in the sense that she's a makeup artist and she's done like puppets and stuff, but she's never done clay animation or film before. And they're like, yeah, let's do this project. So we built this little stage in my mom's basement and um, we did it on a budget of $600. And we just spent four months down there. Um, I wrote the story out. Uh, we created all the characters. And essentially, it's really about the one, um, the codependent relationships that we find ourselves in. Like I was in a very abusive and codependent relationship mm -hmm. that I luckily got out of. And um, so you see in the video, um, all this kind of dirt that keeps collecting that the girl keeps sweeping and trying to clean up after her, you know, partner. And it just keeps building. It's like, it almost gets worse and worse as she cleans. And the idea is that we are always kind of enabling when we are in a codependent relationship. We think we're helping, but we're really just enabling. And, um, and then the second part of it was the overconsumption of humanity and how we often attribute it to our self-worth. So it's kind of speaking on those two very important, I think, and pertinent subjects. You know, that's pretty intense. I mean, you're a pretty deep uh, woman there. I mean, because, you know, I think you are so right. I think so many times um, and I hear people say, oh, I can't say this or I can't do this because that person can't do this or do that. And I think, you know, in terms of imbalancing your relationship, but you're right. If you wait on other people, first of all, nine times out of 10, what you want to come out is not going to come out the way you're saying it or the way you feel it anyway. So you mm -hmm. take the charge. So congratulations on taking the charge and directing your own story. And then, you know, because the only way you learn is by doing. So now your friends, they all know how to do this animation and clay. Exactly. Like Me too. Congratulations. Um, so that's great. So so I know what drove you to create this, but mm -hmm. what have you realized actually fuels your passion? in life in terms of things that you want to do so for me it's really about impact um i really love seeing transformations of people like i love singing on stage and seeing the room's energy before and after um and how it shifts you know i think that that's what's so powerful about art and so i try to leave people with something to think about i like I want them to leave changed. I want them to leave thinking about something differently or questioning something. And so that's what really fuels my art. And that's what really fuels me in general. Like um, I've always had an interest in psychotherapy or like um, I thought about being a naturopath. I thought about being um, a personal trainer. Like I just really love seeing people's transformation. And I think that art does that in such an, huge way and that's why I take such a huge responsibility when it comes to putting out art because I truly do believe that it pushes culture forward and it can also push culture backward yes and so I want to make art that is 
first of all, I want to leave a legacy. You know, I want to leave something that I'm proud of on my stamp on this earth and that I think will positively benefit and push forward culture. So I think that's amazing. And as you know, there's been so many cultural mishaps and faux pas going on during this like pandemic. I mean, I, it just blows my mind. Me <laughs> being over in Europe and seeing like all this like Black Lives Matter stuff, seeing what's going on even with COVID-19. I mean, it's so crazy, know. you know, to be part of a society, but then I'm now part of another society, a European society, but like being on the outside looking in. And I've been able to see like so many things that I couldn't see before when I was all wrapped up because I had no choice but to live the way I was living or to always feel like I had to be 20 times better than all my colleagues and all my friends to get the recognition mm -hmm. that they would get just by being who they were. And I mean, I'm just like, wow, mm -hmm. you know, like, I'm like, wow, maybe that's why I wanted to pick up and move to Europe after being back in the States, you know, for almost 18 years, I was tired as heck, you know, going mm -hmm. to work every day, doing cartwheels and, backflips and stuff like that where my friends and colleagues could just basically go do the basic thing that they need to do like their job without feeling the over responsibility mm -hmm. to do more and above and beyond just to get the same little crumb on the same plate you know yeah. i mean yeah, privilege is like, a real thing <laughs> it is a real thing and i even know the right people and it still was i was still having a hard time mm -hmm. so i always like think about like how you really, until I think you go through some trials and tribulations, I also don't think you really know, for example, how to transform. I mean, because I think every single day, just like you have shared, I mean, you transform because you've been through something hard. So like if you've been through something difficult and you've made it through that, you have this scale already of mm -hmm. what it's like when it's bad and what it's like when you freed yourself so you can then operate and you know like kind of move and groove exactly like, and without you know, fear too because it's essentially you understand that nothing is permanent and that it will pass even when it is bad what do you hope or how do you hope this piece of work that you created transforms them well, I hope that people see themselves in it a little bit and they maybe start to question their consumption patterns and maybe start to ask, like, is it because I have low self-esteem that I like shopping a lot or that I feel like I need this car or that I feel like I need to always shop at Whole Foods? I don't know. You know, like everything that we do is... Uh, we feel is a reflection of who we are. Even the art we consume, the fact that we're going to like a female film festival is <laughs> is it says something about who we are right yeah the fact and, that i want to do podcasts with the female film festival people i mean i love it though you know why because yeah. i think i've been like starving to bring out the creative um inspirations of people because i'm so tired of people saying that they can't find a female director or they can't find a black person in tech or they can't find this or that you can mm -hmm. find it and so mm -hmm. for me I mean to your point I think I'm sitting on my couch right now talking to you while you're in Quebec wanting to hear what you created because I think 
that we have to amplify voices. There's so many amazing people in the world and no one takes the time to take 15, 20, 30 minutes just to focus on them and what they're doing. So this is about 100%. you. So that's why I'm sitting here. I'm wow. that's why I'm sitting about that. You're right. 100%. You're right. And that's why you submitted your film because you knew we were going to amplify voices like you. <laughs> so that's right. Um, who's been uh, a big influence on you and why? in your life, both personally, and then we can also talk about professionally. Um, I would say that my, I mean, I write about my mom a lot in my songs. So like my debut album that I released in February, um, it's called Chapter Three, The Come Up. People can find it on all streaming platforms. Um, five, of, five of the songs on there, I mentioned my mom. And one of them is explicitly from my mom. Mm -hmm. um, so my mother is a very big part of uh, my life. And I think most people's lives. But aside from my mother, <laughs> um, I would say my buddy Tom, who is a classical pianist and um, professor at a university. And he is, his name is Yotam Baum, but I call mm -hmm. him Tom. Mm -hmm. And um, he has been, he was like the first male in my life. Like I knew him since I was 14 in high school and we were best friends for a very long time. And he was the first man in my life who really um, uplifted me in the music industry and just with my vision like I had left this really abusive relationship and when I say abusive it was like my ex-boyfriend basically coerced me into being a exotic dancer took all my money physically abused me mentally abused me um, financially abused me you know exploited me um, so it was a very hard time in my life none of my family or friends knew anything about it and he, when I left that relationship, he took all my music as well because he was a producer and he took all the hard drives, he took everything. And I was left with like a debt. And um, even though I'd made so much money. And um, so it was a very hard time for me. And I, I had no allies. And every time I would talk to people about my story um, in the industry, majority of it was male. So I was like, I felt like it was a sausage fest everywhere I went. Um, and so I didn't feel safe. You know, everyone would kind of fetishize me. Oh, like, you know, everyone wants to sleep with a stripper, you know? So it was just like this really um, hard space to be in. And when I reconnected with my friend Tom, because I hadn't seen him in many years, and I told him about my story and told him about what happened, um, he basically just like uplifted me and was like, you're the best vocalist I've ever known in my whole career. We're going to work together. I believe in whatever your vision is. You know, he always just amplified my vision. And so I always tell men, they're always like, well, what can we do? How can we be allies? I'm like, don't try to mansplain. Don't try to tell a woman how she needs to do something because probably she's already she's more meticulous and detailed than you. You know, there's um, an article that I had read and don't quote me on the exact percentages because it was a while ago, but they were saying how like, if there is a job, um, there's a job description, right? And um, 
a man has like 40% of what's on the job description and a woman has 90% of what's on the job description, majority of the men will go for the job and majority of the women won't go for the job, even though they have more um, qualifications. But we just have this like, we haven't been taught to be audacious and to just go for it. Like the world hasn't been ours. So to your point about saying, yeah, there are female fil filmmakers and female grips and whatever, and you say you can't find them. But the, bi the big thing is, is that women aren't putting up their hand to say that they can do these jobs because they feel like inadequate, even when they are fully equipped. So I tell these men, I say, don't, tell a woman how she needs to do something. Just amplify her vision and tell her that she can do it and she can figure it out because she can. Give her tools that she might need, like um, introduce her to someone that you might know. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I big her up. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's what, what you need to do. Yeah, I mean, but I think, you know, there's, there's three things actually that you said. First of all, now I know how you got the name story. Yay. <laughs> Second of all... <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, um, I definitely now have to go and listen to some of your uh, music. I mean, because I'm just really excited to do that. And third of all, though, I mean, the, I think the issue is that we don't and should still not have to worry about getting, I would say, approval um, for men, I think you hit on something earlier where you went through this really hard time, but eventually you realize that it all comes from within you yourself, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just really happy, though, that you reconnected with someone that you knew growing up. And that person, after all you had been through, you still trusted and that, you know, what he was saying was real. And mm -hmm. uh, him uplifting you was something that you could really trust versus him taking and trying to take advantage of you. So like exactly. for that, because sometimes people can't like, you know, overcome uh, when you've been through something so bad, then all of a sudden every man gets that tag of, oh my God, he just wants to take advantage of me. Just like, well, exactly. Know. Not everybody has a Tom. You know That's what I mean? Right. Like not everybody, not everybody finds one. No, not everyone I was lucky. Tom. And <laughs> I think this is why it's so important for you to, like you said, once you uh, go and, and once you perform, how you like to see how people are before they hear you and then how they are during the process and then after the process. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, me actually being a minority um, woman in tech who also has helped uh, creatives amplify their voices. I like the same transformation because I can't tell you how many times before people meet me, you know, everybody mm. has a judgment, that first in, impression. And if people don't have like a diversified social network, you know, if they're not sitting here, or, you know, having a a beer with me or having dinner with me, they're not going to know that I'm exactly the way that they are. And mm. I see people in my workplace and my personal space like transform immediately once I just open my mouth and I'm speaking proper English, for example, or once we like can talk about like the things that we like, the places we like to travel. I mean, mm. because it's not till that moment, though, you have to be given the opportunity. If you're not given the opportunity to stake your claim then, you know, you may be shit out of luck, as they say, because, mm. and so I think it's a mixture of people being open 
to being able to to try something different, to hear something different, to see something different. And I feel like it's a waste of freaking energy if you surround yourself with people who aren't willing to do that. For sure. Yeah. I mean, because you can, I mean, this is what I feel. You were talking about the jobs and how women won't apply, but then a guy can have 40% of or whatever, of like half the qualifications, but he still goes for it. You know mm-hmm. what, though? That guy would probably still get the job and the woman that's 90% qualified still probably won't get the job. But you know what? It's probably a blessing in disguise because the truth is if you spend the majority of your life, your work, career, whatever, trying to prove to people that you deserve to be where you are, you've already lost. You've already mm. lost, in my mm. personal opinion. Mm. Um, but anyway, so your mom's a great influence. Tom, mm-hmm. uh, kudos to Tom. Hey, Tom, if you're listening, hello, hello. <laughs> um, what has changed or what were you working on during uh, the pandemic? Was Do you feel that it was, uh, that it helped you like harvest more of your creative uh, talents or were you completely frustrated? What was happening there? So I had just released my debut album, not even 30 days before the pandemic hit. Um, I had just gotten, I had just done my first tour um, and I had just gotten my first booking agent and I had also just been nominated for a Juno award and I was about to fly to the Junos the day that the Junos got canceled and the world shut down. So I was very devastated. It was very um, like all my life seemed to have culminated to this point of release. And it was, had been so difficult. And um, I finally felt like I was seeing the light and uh, yeah. And then COVID happened. So I was quite depressed and I had to take a few days to mourn that. And then get back on my feet and just see what I was really grateful about because I am very privileged in the sense that like I live with my mother. She still had a job. We still had food on our plates. You know, the Canadian government is pretty good with taking care of its citizens, you know, generally, Um, you know, so there was a lot of things that I was very grateful for. And I was like, okay, I can figure this out. I can pivot. And I truly believe that, um, you know, the strongest people um, are the people that are the most resilient. And um, so I said, okay, what am I going to do? And I decided that I was going to write a whole new album and um, have a creative partner who um, is a phenomenal director. And she took on the role of directing all the music videos for this Uh, album short album it's called interlude 19 and it's essentially about this time right it's about i i saw this time as an interlude in our lives and interlude the definition of interlude is essentially something that splits um that separates two parts right so the part before and the part after and i really believe that covid is this like interlude that's separating these two times and the and and that what is to happen, what is happening after COVID is going to be different. I mean, it's going to be different, you know, like we don't know how the world is going to transform, but it will. And what's interesting is that it too shall pass. This interlude will pass. And it is really just a blip in time. It's actually not going to last forever. So we need to remember that and just be present for it. And um, 
it's easier to say when you have, you know, a comfortable home to live in and you have, um, you know, food on your table and you have a safe space. And my heart goes out to anybody who has been in a um, abusive relationship or, um, you know, a child who's, who's being abused at home, like your home isn't a safe space. And so, you know, how can you come out a stronger, better person? Like we all have privileges. And so we need to extend the privileges to people who might need um, help during this time. You know, those people, older people who don't have family, who don't have people to help them out and like who, who, who do have illnesses and who are um, at risk. Absolutely. So absolutely. Like, so I, I really had to just sit back and, and, and just be grateful for what I have and, and what can I give to the world. And so for me, interlude 19 was a gift to myself and to my fans. Um, I wanted to put it out very quickly. So I wrote it and I recorded it and, um, I worked virtually with a bunch of musicians and producer friends of mine. Um, and we, and I put it out um, on September 5th, which is my birthday. Oh, and wow. Yeah. And um, so it happened in four months. You know, the whole project culminated in four months. I was very lucky. I got my first grant from the Ontario Arts Council. And they actually helped out with this um, uh, to, to make this um, record a reality. So I am so blessed this this year and so i i can't i can't complain you know like i have That's to go great. it's still been a beautiful year and we're still putting out videos so we've put out four videos so far for um four of the songs but there's 10 tracks on there so there's going to be another six videos oh wow well congratulations so it seems like it was like a burst of creativity was happening not to mention the universe opened up for you after you were struggling for a while for uh it as it related to your first project and then like the government jumped on board so congratulations to that yeah for sure to you for that um how do you think that um female artists in general um can shape and mold uh the future i would say uh, in yours it's like music media but then also cinema because obviously you know mm -hmm. music is such an important part uh, important part of film as well but how do you think what's the influence that you think uh, women could have or should have or how should they position themselves for the future right well i think that women need to just do more like as much as you think you're not ready don't don't question yourself just do it I do think women do have superpowers. They really do. And um, I think that we question ourselves too much. And as artists, we can't do that. We are antennae and we are transmitting um, something that is so powerful that we don't even know is happening. And it is not for us to judge. We cannot judge our own work. We can only put it to the world. And if when you don't give it out to the world, because your resistance will tell you um, so many logical things about reasons why it's not good enough or that this needs to be better or whatever. But, um, and they're going to sound reasonable. They're going to sound logical. But don't listen to it because it's not for you to judge. The world needs your art and you are robbing the world without your art. So, um, but as far as what women can do for the industry, 
I truly believe that the film industry and the music industry would be a lot better. The music would be a lot better. The films would be a lot better if we had more women on board because our perspective is lacking. It's all from the male perspective. The majority of films are from the male perspective and they are creating the, what we call brainwash of the society, right? So if we want to implement a certain way of thinking, then we write scripts and we tell stories this way. And um, if they're always from a male lens, then we're going to continue to perpetuate a certain type of thinking. And so we need more women to be in this industry. And I think that even the fact that they haven't been is almost purposeful. I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. So I'm that person that's like, no, y'all shut me up because you didn't want my perspective because you wanted your perspective to, to to brainwash our, our society. And we need to unwash that brainwash. We need more diversity. We need more slices of the pie. Everybody has an important story to tell. And the story is only a sliver of the truth. It is a perspective of this pie of the world. So if we have all these little perspectives, this is how we start to see the world in a more full spectrum. When we only have this much of the pie being shown and talked about, then this is all that we think the world is and should be. But we need to start expanding that vision. And the only way that can be is if more people start telling their stories authentically and without shame or regret or guilt. Yep. I think, uh, I think the deal is though too, we have to leave space for it because I think one of the reasons we haven't seen a lot of this like multidimensionality or diversity, to be quite honest, is because like people with some people, they just don't have it within their time frame or their social space to have this type of diversity or to have, or to maybe go to school with, you know, more women who are engineers of music or the directors of film or something like that. So there's a lot of people in a lot of situations missing each other. People kind of go by word of mouth or if they know somebody, but there's so much creativity. There's so many people, there's so many stories to your point that haven't been told. And if people aren't kind of, I guess, asked to sit down and see or hear those stories, then they don't know that whether those stories could add excitement and relevance and dimension to their life. So what BAFTA did, I don't know if you read about it, but now there's like every category has to have a long list. And like in order for that long list to get to a shorter list, everybody has to go through and watch the long list before they can forward on to create and vote for a shorter list. Mm. And this is the only way, unfortunately, like a lot of people don't like that they're being forced to maybe engage or to open their eyes to something that they may not gravitate towards. But I think mm. that you have to do that when you're, there's such a systemic protocol that's been in place for so long that's been so not representative of what the world really represents you know for sure and i think that people initially are not gonna like something that they've never tried before right like sometimes you fall in love with something you haven't tried before but i say this to people all the time is if all we're given is burgers and fries on our menu that is what we're going to choose from 
And that's what we're going, our palate is going to enjoy and like. When a kale salad is added to that, not a lot of people are going to choose it. And when people do choose it, it might not be the best thing right away. They might have to try it a few more times and another salad might need to be added to that menu before they're like, oh, wait, salad is a thing. You know what I mean? So they might not like it initially and it's not because it isn't good. That's right. It's because they're not used to it yet. They're used to a story being told a certain way and with a certain kind of lighting or certain kind of cinematography or certain kind of cuts. You know, this, oh, you know, that that movie was too slow. You know, they were holding the shots too long. No, you're just, you have ADD because of how things are shot in Hollywood. (laughs) And it's too, they, they don't hold anything for more than three seconds. Even in psychology, they tell you like, you know, like behavior is a result of repetitive, you know, like, like they say, the more you do something like it just becomes natural, like waking up every day, going to brush your teeth, making your coffee. I mean, it becomes a routine. So if your routine is not something that's like really like scaled out, Mm -hmm. a very narrow routine, and it's going to take a little bit of uh, some molding and shaping in order for it to become like a more globally insightful, I'd say, uh, yeah. doing things. And um, I think it's our responsibility to do that. Like, I really do think that as artists, um, if we just keep perpetuating because we're like, oh, well, people are going to enjoy it more if I do it this way, then we're just perpetuating this sort of, you know, way of being. And I honestly do believe that um, the diagnosis of ADHD has gone up because of the fact that we have too much stimulation. It's overstimulation and and too much bite-sized information. We don't even want to read a whole article anymore. We just want a meme to tell us like what <laughs> is happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We want like a cliff notes of everything. Exactly. Yeah. But so, I, yeah, I think it's crazy though, because you can't even like tap into your own situation until you like kind of have this interesting exploration, you know, mm-hmm. like if you don't, I mean, this is why I think also the pandemic's been so great. So many people were just forced to be still. To slow down, yeah, for sure. To be still. Because mm-hmm. when you're always going, you can avoid every situation that you want to avoid, you know? But when you mm-hmm. were still, people had to deal with themselves. And so many people, I think, realized that they didn't even know who they were anymore, let alone their partner, they, but who they were and what yeah. they wanted as people. Um, so, Story, um, if you could work with one person mm-hmm. that you admire in the film and or Mm -hmm. music industry, uh, who would that be? Well, since I was a kid, I loved Tim Burton. Yes. And you know, his clay animations are epic. So like, I would love to do something like I love clay animation so much. (laughs) So, um, and I'm not like a music, I'm sorry, a film buff. So I don't know a million directors. I wish I knew more. Um, as far as music goes, um, I don't know, to be honest. Really? I would say, like, can, I, can I be, like, dead or the, alive? After you traveled all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, to Chicago, <laughs> to all the way to California, and you met all those flaky big people, what do you mean? You, <laughs> there's, like, nobody. I mean, okay, if I could work with like Lauren Hill, she is oh, like my oh, idol. Yeah, she is, man. Okay. She is. She is totally. You know what? When I broke up with my uh, 
boyfriend when I first moved to California from New York, my uh, goodbye letter was mm. like a revision of her song, The X Factor. Like it said everything I needed to say in like one page. I mean, it was mm. like a savior. Mm. So I just kind of reworked. I mean, she is amazing. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she's she's one of my biggest one of my biggest influences. And then I would say like new school, like probably Anderson Pack, because he is just like so musical and he plays the drums and sings at the same time, which I think is incredible. So um yeah. That's awesome. I would say those two. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sounds good. Sounds good. Um, okay, so um what question would you like? Um, for people to ask you that they never ask you, but basically that's a translation of what do you want people to know that they probably don't know about you? Mm, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, this is, I don't know. (laughs) That's interesting. So there's nothing that you want to say to like creatives out there who maybe potentially have suppressed their talents and skill sets due to the fact that they just don't want to ruffle the feathers. Oh, yeah, I do actually. So, I mean, that's the thing. I have so much to say that it's very difficult for me to go like, Oh, this is the one thing. Um, but yeah, I definitely feel there's a book that I read. Um, it's by Stephen Pressfield and it's very short. You can read it in less than <laughs> two hours and it's called Do the Work. That's why I love this book because I can literally just give it up to people and they can read it very quickly. If I give them a novel, they're going to be like, eh, whatever, like it'll sit on their shelf. But this one, I tell people, Stephen Pressfield, Do the Work. And what's really interesting about this book is that it talks about resistance and what resistance is. It talks about it as if it is an entity, like it's a thing that is like working against you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one good thing about resistance, so resistance is all those things that tell you to not eat healthy, to not exercise today, to not put your work out, that your work isn't ready, that you, you know, anything, any goal that you're trying to achieve, whether it's artistic or it's health or it's family or whatever, anything that you're trying to achieve, there is resistance against that thing. And the one good thing about resistance is that it is like your North Star. It always points in the direction that you need to go the most. So the most resistance you have to something is probably the one thing that you need to go towards and that you will see exponential growth from. I absolutely agree. Yeah. So I always try my very best to see what am I the most fearful of? What am I the most resistant towards? What do I keep making excuses about? And then I go in that direction. When I told people that I was like, had been in the sex industry and that I didn't have a resume and that sure, I didn't have the accolades that a bunch of other people did, but that I had done music and I had honed my craft. I had studied opera. I studied R&B. I studied gospel. Like I did every genre of music you can think of and I was ready and I was hardworking, but I just needed the chance. I had been, you know, I had been set back by a person 
And so, you know, give me the chance. My resume is maybe not as heavy as somebody else's, but I can do the work. And I remember seeing that with a lot of filmmakers and, you know, a lot of women would be like, well, you know, I don't have this, I don't have this and and, and that experience, so I can't get the job. And it's like, well, that's exactly why you need to just assess a person. You need to go, okay, this person is smart they're driven. You can tell these things from a conversation with someone. You can be like, okay, so you did this, this, and this. Sure, it's not in this field, but you figured out, you problem solved. You were smart enough to like, you know, meticulously research. You you know what I mean? So you can do this job. You can transfer all of those skills that you have to do this job. And so I think we really need to assess more of that and give more people that might not have as heavy of a resume because you know, their parents couldn't afford to get them a camera when they were like eight years old. And And so they've been playing. But story, maybe they don't have a a resume that that's strong because they've been actually doing the work instead of like trying to focus on what's written on the paper. Maybe Mm -hmm. they actually also have been doing the work. I mean, I think that Mm -hmm. that's also an issue. There's some people that know that first impression they know what to put on the paper to get their foot through the door they know That's how true. to like bullshit their way mm-hmm. and then there's other people that actually know what the frick that they're doing that they don't spend time over whatever themselves because they just are doing it you know and i think mm-hmm. that that makes a difference another point that i want to touch on before we um before we wrap this up is that, you know, you had said before that two things actually that I wanted to touch on that Mm -hmm. you were in this relationship, but nobody knew nobody in your life that you were close to knew. So that's one thing I want to bring up. The second thing is you said that you, that you had let uh, this gentleman who you were in the relationship with keep you down. Um, But then you said, I think the key to these, these two elements I mentioned, there was a point where you got tired of it and you were ready for something different. So what I wanted to say was on this, on this point that, um, you know, people have to have a voice and once they have a voice and they can share their story, then change could happen. But there was something, as you mentioned before, no one knew. So no one actually could help and come rescue you either. But Mm. there became a point where you wanted to realize you know, what your fears were, you wanted to realize what you had been through, you were ready to what do you say, like, like, uh, like superwoman, as she shoots up in the sky, you ready to fly out, you were ready to fly. Like Mm. before this cast, we had talked about also the butterfly effect. So what I'm saying is, you know, maybe during that time when you were with him, you were like in this kind of cocoon and your wings hadn't developed yet but then your wings developed and then you flew out of there and then Mm. you created the things that you wanted to create so I just want to say thanks for sharing your story congratulations on up I'm sure the audience will enjoy it and uh, I just want to know in closing what are you working on next other than you just said you finished uh, what was the name of the interlude 19 interlude 19 are you still so you have to produce a couple of more of those right to finish out the album is that correct the videos yeah so videos. we actually shot all of the videos in three days but we haven't edited them um, okay 
yet. So, but we'll be releasing them every couple of weeks on my YouTube channel. So nice. people can find me like on all the socials at Story Music. So S T O R R Y Music. Nice. My story is with two R's. They can find me story with two R's on Spotify, on YouTube, on all that stuff. And on, and they can sign up to my email list at storymusic.com. So story with two R's, S-T-O-R-R-Y music.com. And, and that's probably the best way to keep up with what I'm doing. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm often doing a lot of different things. Like I'm thinking I'd like to build more of a reel for my clay animation because I'd like to do some more animations. Um, I'd also, I'm also a visual artist and I just got, um, I just got commissioned to do an art piece and I hadn't painted in like two years. So um, I did that during the pandemic as well. And, and that opened up another thing where I was like, I want to paint again. Like I want to do some more painting and, um and definitely more music on the way so so yeah there's a lot that's that's to come but i i tell people just follow you know subscribe to the email list follow on the socials and that's the best way to like keep up to date to uh to what i'm doing well story congratulations we are gonna keep an eye out on like your edited videos that are coming up it is a pleasure actually to basically have your music video on the slate at this year's female film festival filmmakers so festival honored. Berlin. yes and Thank we you. will miss you in person but we will be able to share this great conversation uh with our listeners and uh, with our sponsors as well as the people who attend and uh it was great good luck um as it relates to your journey in the uk make sure you give us a shout out uh, once you're in the uk uh, we are in berlin the majority of us and the team so it's great and we will definitely keep an eye on you thanks for your time today thank you <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was just one of the great stories from one of this year's female directors who were featured in the Female Filmmakers Festival of Berlin. Wow. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the insights and the highlights from the festival. And we are so grateful to all of our many sponsors who helped make this special occasion happen this year. We want to especially highlight the support we received from Jamison, Furlow, World Color Studio, McMahon Media, BitHouse Group, United 17 Ventures, Startup 42 Media, Ave and Edom, and of course, the organizing team. Without them, none of this would have been possible. And last but not least, there would be nothing on the screen if there weren't female filmmakers who decided to take a chance on themselves and tell their stories the way that they wanted to tell them. We are very grateful for their creative multi-dimension talents and also their experiences that they share with us during this podcast. Please visit www.fffberlin.com, submit your films, align with us, and let's continue to find and amplify the voices of female filmmakers and music masters from across the globe. My name is Jewel Sparks. Thanks for tuning in to this year's Female Filmmakers Festival Women in Film podcast. <laughs>